everybody, welcome to another episode of Joystick Jockeys, and I am one part of the dual pack of the games that you get at Toys R Us when you get that two-for-one pack from, like, back in the day when you they would package, like, two games in one. That's me. Yeah, and DJ hey, it's, Ru- it's Ruben Medina. Uh, I just have to love your DJ Kirkland. Sorry, DJ. <laughs> That's fine. Oh, boy. It's me, Ruben Medina. I'm the other part of that pack that you didn't want, but you, you bought it because you want a DJ, and I just, you know, if you're going to probably throw me in the trash. No, everybody <laughs> wants you, too. No, it's not true. Yes, Look at our is. Twitter followers. It's just not true. No, but it is. No. I'm just going to be real sad sappy all episode. No. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, nobody likes me like they like DJ. Ooh. <laughs> I don't have as many internet points. God, I wish I worked hard like DJ so people could like stuff I do, but I'm lazy. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But welcome to another episode of Joystick Jockeys where we talk about games, pop culture, anime, manga, and all that good shit from a queer perspective. It's gay as hell, y'all. It's it's hella gay. Hella gay. How have you been, Ruben? What's going on? Oh, I'm good. Uh, uh, You know, just... uh, been real busy with work yeah. and i beat zelda i did Ooh. all the um shrines Ooh. uh which is cool and i'm playing mass effect and we'll definitely talk about that later Ooh. um but otherwise i'm like i'm good i'm, I'm sitting here and I, I worked from home today so nice. i'm just sitting here in underwear uh red red underwear and like a blue sleeveless hoodie and it looks like my casual spider-man cosplay like pajama cosplay i'm into it i'm super into that that's yeah for all you listeners out there there's a little salacious taste a little mental image while you're listening so are you so do you wear uh boxers boxer briefs briefs oh i'm a i'm a boxer brief dude for sure yeah okay yeah i can't do briefs tend to i got really thick thighs um Mm -hmm. Especially for my size, I'm not mm-hmm. a, I'm not a big dude, but I got the meaty the meaty reaper thighs. Oh no, I've seen them. Uh, you seen them? You seen them? <laughs> um, and so briefs like tend to just like cut right into all that business, and mm-hmm. it's not comfortable. Uh, and then boxes are just like, I don't know, man. I want some support. I want yeah. <laughs> I want to feel loved and like held, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah boxer briefs make you feel safe because it's holding all your stuff in the right places. Yeah, it's like I feel uncomfortable driving without a seatbelt on. It's very similar. <laughs> I need so, that restraint. Yeah, and um, me and my boyfriend kind of got into this um, the other day because I both of us just subscribed to MeUndies, and this is not a this is not a sponsorship. We're not sponsored by MeUndies. God, but, I wish uh, we were though. I wish we were. That'd be great. Um, but we both started subscribing to MeUndies. And I was picking, like, what style of underwear I wanted from them. And I, depending on... It honestly depends on what kind of pants I'm wearing. I'm either, I either wear briefs or boxer briefs. Mm-hmm. And I wear briefs because I have, like, a really big butt. And I think it makes my <laughs> butt look cute. So mm-hmm. I'm like... And my boyfriend doesn't seem to complain about that. So I usually wear those when I'm, whenever I'm wearing, like, skinny jeans. Because, like, I have, like, massive chun thighs as well. So, mm-hmm. like, it gives, like, visible um, man boxer brief lines if, if I'm wearing, like, really tight skinny jeans, <laughs> which all skinny jeans are tight to me because I have really big legs, so. Um, Just always got that panty line. Yeah, and, I, and I'm not trying to have that panty line action happening. 
so I usually wear briefs when I wear skinny jeans, but when I'm wearing joggers, which are, which are God's gift to man, mm-hmm. <laughs> I love a pair of chino joggers. Um, uh, PacSun is amazing for that. Um, that's Pacific Sunwear, which used to just kind of be like a skate shop, but now they actually have really cute clothes for guys, which is where I get a lot of my clothes from. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have a very wide selection of chino joggers, which are great because one, they're 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 with drawstrings, they're not zippers or buttons or anything like that. So for all you for all you thickum thickums out there, um, they uh, they're looking out for us, which is <laughs> Ash which Thickums. Is nice. Yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I only capture right. thick Pokemon. Oh. Oh, only the thick, only the only thickest the, of Pokemon. Thickest, like a Tauros. Um, <laughs> yeah, I hate it. Like, so I really, actually, I love trunks, mm-hmm. um, which are really, really just shorter, uh, like boxer briefs with shorter yep. legs on them. Yep. But because of my thick thighs, every time I wear trunks, it makes the bottoms roll up. Same. Which Same. is super uncomfortable. And then you have like the really like super noticeable like panty line happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it sucks because yeah, my girlfriend likes them on me, and I like them because I'm like my butt looks cute. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know. It's like I feel like there's certain underwear where if you're not like real skinny, then there's always like problems. Like the band starts to roll, and mm. if your legs are thick, that, that rolls up from the the top and the bottom, and mm-hmm. then you just have like a line across your dick. Like <laughs> yeah, it's it's not a it's not a cute look. It happens. No, a it's lot. not. It's yeah. not. Uh, the struggle of having thighs, man. Yeah. The struggle. Well. Get horny, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I guess to kind of round out what I've been up to, I've been playing a lot of Zelda as well. And I feel like such a little bitch because I've only, I've only done like 45 shrines. And I felt like I've done a lot more. But then the game was like, nah, girl, you've only done like, 45. No, I mean, and, I'll be honest. I did like 90 and then around 90, I was like, okay, I'm going to like look up where the rest of them are. Cause otherwise I'll be playing this game for another hundred hours and I don't mm-hmm. have the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've been looking, I've, I've started to look at a guide for all that stuff too. So I can just get through them and get to them. And I also was looking for a guide for all the different memory locations. So, cause I did about half of them just by, you know, playing the game and, like, going to these specific areas. But I got to a point where I've beaten all the Divine Beasts, and I'm like, where do... Where are the rest of the the memories? Unfortunately, mm-hmm. thanks to the power of the internet, I'm able to find them. So I need to finish getting the memories, and then I think I'll go ahead and I'll beat, uh, beat the game. Quote-unquote. And then I'll go back and I'll do some shrines and stuff later on. But I want to get through it because I want to have kind of a clean slate for when Persona comes out next week. Yeah, I'll definitely suggest. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat there. I'll definitely suggest. Um, what I did was when I got to a point where I felt um, I'd beat all the Divine Beasts, and I had a good like. I think at that point I was around like 75 or 80 shrines under my belt, so I felt mm-hmm. pretty powerful. Yeah. Um, and I had gotten the Master Sword and the and the Hylian Shield at that point. Yeah. Um. I went through the castle and I rushed through it kind of like directly towards Ganon because I didn't know what was in store for me and I just wanted to do that fight. Um, so when you beat the game and you get new game plus, uh, and again, I'm not going to spoil anything for you guys here, mm-hmm. but when you get new game plus, what I will tell you is that what it does, it starts you like right outside where the Ganon fight happens mm-hmm. and there's a little star on your save file. 
but um <clears throat> like it that boss fight is still there you just can go do whatever else you want um and so what i actually did was i went back out of the castle and mm-hmm. then went to um the area right in front of it which is like the like the hylian town center yeah. Yeah, and then I explored all of that, and then explored the castle. The castle might be the best like area in the game. Um, nice. There's so much cool, like take your time, and I understand if you don't want to do it right before fighting Ganon because then you you might feel like you don't have enough supplies. Mm-hmm. Um, which is what I did. I I went and I I bought a bunch of um ancient arrows and made a bunch of like really high, um like extra heart food, mm-hmm. and I went back in. And I just really took my time, like probably two hours at least, exploring the castle. Nice. And there is so much story. Um, there's diaries. There's a lot of diaries in the castle. Yeah. And there is so much really good, amazing story and plot stuff that you will never, ever see if you don't take the time to do that. There is stuff in there to me that's as important, if not more important, than the stuff that's in the memories. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. Zelda specifically, you will find like her lab and her, her room and her diary information is you get really amazing insights into both Zelda and Link. Um, and uh, there's a diary that the King keeps and that gives you really amazing insights into his character too. It's, it's really like, I almost wish that that stuff was stuff you had to see in the game yeah, and that you couldn't miss. Um, but it is really cool to find it. That's cool. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to that, man. That's awesome. Yeah. That's like my number one suggestion, whatever you do in that game, like put away a couple hours just to explore every nook and cranny of the castle because it's, it's worth it from a narrative perspective and it's also just a really fun and cool area and the music is amazing the entire time you're inside and outside the castle it's really I'm cool excited. it's so good it's that so good really cool that sounds really cool i'm looking forward to that for sure mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um i guess that kind of rolls me directly into something i wanted to touch on a little bit and again i'm gonna do all this uh without spoiling anything past like the first like hour of the game yeah um because anything in the first hour i feel like everyone's kind of seen at this point more or less mm-hmm. um but uh i took a lot of umbrage with there is a feminist frequency tweet and i think i've talked about fem freak on the show before yeah um yeah. and i really i think it's really really important that they exist um and that we have really good feminist oriented game critique and i'm really yes. really proud of um Kotaku and Polygon and a lot of the other major uh, um, gaming sites are doing a much better job. There's so many more uh, female writers now than ever yes. before. Yes. Um, I know Kotaku has like Gita Jackson and some people, um, and then like Polygon has a couple other people too. Um, mm-hmm. I think at least one of them has one trans female writer at this point. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, which is great because it means that we get like we get to have that um, perspective, which we I mean never had before in games we never had yeah never ever they might both have a trans female writer but i know for sure at least one of them does um and so feminist frequency um i think sometimes they talk about stuff and i'm like yeah this is really good and this is really important to talk about and then sometimes they talk about stuff and i'm like it's important that we like think about these things but at the same time the opinion being presented is like awful like it's trash it's right, like right, and it can't right. could it be more to me and I, I know opinions are opinions i get it like opinions can't be right or wrong which i kind of mm-hmm. think is a bullshit thing um so they made they made a tweet about the new zelda game how it falls into the exact same tired tropes uh, as previous zelda games um 
And if they wanted to talk about, I think, some of the problematic stuff in the Gerudo village. Yeah. Um, specifically, that comes up with, like, transgender um, uh, issues. Yes. Then, for sure. Like, I, I would have understood a conversation about that. But mm-hmm. they specifically zoned in on Zelda and how she's a damsel in distress in this game, again. Um, and, A, there have been previous Zelda games where she's really not a damsel in distress. That's not really right. the case in Skyward Sword at all. Right. Not um, at all. She she is like for a second and then it subverts and then she's not at all. Yep. She's actually out like on her own quest doing her own amazing shit while you're on your quest doing your amazing shit. Yep. Um, and it's really like both of you are like, we have this huge quest. We both have to partake that are separate quests, but that we have to do in order to fight chaos together. Yep. Um, so she's not, so it's not a trend to me that's been in the recent games. Um, so in this game, the way I described it on Twitter is it reminded me of being in college when you're in like a, and I'm a lit major from college, not that it fucking matters, but like you're in a class and you're reading literature and the teacher's like, cool, like what do you think that this part of the book was talking about or this theme? And then someone who either didn't read the book or just has no ability to do a close reading um, and have like comprehension, mm-hmm. uh, like puts their hand up and says there's something really fucking dumb and the teacher's like, um, okay, I get, and like tries to like not make the person feel shitty and try to understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the rest of the class is just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, and that's exactly what those friend freak tweets are to me. Uh, yeah, I think that you can, I think that you can think about Zelda as a damsel in distress in this game, but she's, I think that loses and it misses the entire point of yeah. this one completely. Yep. Me too. Um, and again, like, and DJ, feel free to interrupt me at any time sure, with your sure. thoughts and feelings on this because I don't want to just be talking at you for like 10 minutes. Oh, no, no, please, please. Um, I want you to get your thoughts out for sure. Go ahead. So without without ruining the game, um, in the first hour, basically, you know that you are waking up 100 years after uh, Calamity Ganon basically awoke and attacked Hyrule. And everything that had been set up to fight him fails. Um, Zelda fails. Um, for reasons that you find out later that are like very integral to why in the trailer you saw her crying a lot or in emotional distress Mm -hmm. and it's really good reasons it's not her being a weak character it's just her having emotions and being a character who has a character arc to uh follow Mm -hmm. um so that happens all the champions get defeated and link gets defeated um link is saved pretty much by zelda yep um, and put into a resurrection chamber, which is what you wake up out of a hundred years later. Mm-hmm. So when you start the game, you could say that what you are doing in the entire game is you are going to save Zelda from Ganon, but that's not really what's going on. Like what happens is that everyone else has failed and Zelda doesn't have the strength or the power yet to contain Ganon the way she needs to. Yep. But she still hurl, like throws herself into the castle to try and contain him. And she succeeds in containing him to the castle itself, but basically saves the rest of Hyrule from having to deal with him. Yep. Um, and it keeps, like, all these things. And it's not until you wake up where there's more monsters appearing all throughout Hyrule again and all this stuff. But still, Calamity Ganon is only in Hyrule Castle. Right. Um, and that's specifically because of her power. And how Zelda's always been. Triforces, you need two Triforces to beat one Triforce. Triforce powers cancel each other out. So it is her uh, Triforce of Wisdom uh, basically keeping Ganon's Triforce of Power at bay and them sort of in an eternal struggle. 
Yep. Uh, she needs you because you need two Triforces to show up with the Triforce of Courage with your power because that's the only way they can defeat Ganon completely. That's it. Yep. So you're not saving her. She's saving everyone, including mm-hmm. you. You're mm-hmm. going in there to finish the fight with her. Mm-hmm. And that's so clear in all the storytelling. Yeah, it really is. That I don't know how the fuck you play that game at all and come away with the idea that that's what's going on. Right, yeah. So when, when I saw that, I, w- I felt the exact same way. So um, I'm glad that you went ahead and said it because I felt like we would have just been like repeating the same thing. But yeah, it just felt like, it's like, no, like, you're wrong. <laughs> and it's absolutely okay to be wrong. Like, that's fine. There's no shame in being incorrect about that stuff. But it, to me, it like you said, it was very much one of those situations where they haven't played the game. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like it's very apparent that it's not the case. Because I would have clocked that from the beginning. I think both of us would have. And not saying that we're an expert on the things, especially coming from the perspective of men. Mm-hmm. But I think that we're both conscious enough and aware of when we we see a damsel in distress story and be like oh here we go again it's another damsel in, di- in distress story versus no sh- no this is not what is actually happening here um if if what they're inevitably trying to get at is a game where you get to play as zelda as opposed to playing as link or having a female protagonist both of us are in agreement so that we would play the shit out of that game and that game needs to happen. Oh, for sure. And we're waiting for that to happen. But I think if what they're trying to get at is that from, from this, if they're completely missing the mark about what the game is actually about and Zelda to me in this game is the most interesting part of the game and her role in everything that she's done in this game. I'm like, Holy shit. Like she's really cool. And she's, a great character and i wish that a lot of i wish we got more more of get, got to see more of her in the game of course but i feel like what she does like it she's amazing i think that she's great it's and, the strongest and most active she's ever been i think absolutely. in any of the games it's mm-hmm. the most heroic she's ever been yeah um and and i'm not gonna say like they didn't play the game just because the only reason why i say I, i'm not gonna say that is because it's what every shitty online dude always throws at them of course um, yeah but it does not help when your your read of the game's narrative is so incredibly surface level like i understand mm-hmm. if you played that game and you go oh like zelda's a, sort of in a damsel in distress situation again i get that but um that's like such a like there's that and then you look at the overwhelming evidence of what the entire narrative of the game is telling you mm-hmm um, you know, like, I don't even, I'd have to go back and, and look. I don't even know if Impa ever says that you have to go save Zelda. She might. No. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. If, I don't remember if she said that specifically or not. She for sure, for sure says you have to go and hurry up and like save Hyrule. And mm-hmm. she might say you have to save Zelda. Um, so I understand again, like where you might say, okay, like it's a damsel in distress to some degree, but then that is like, you know, if you put these two things on a scale, you have like that drop versus literally the narrative of the rest of the entire game and every Mm -hmm. memory in the entire game Mm -hmm. that is against it. That makes me go, okay, that's not what the game is about. The game has that and then uses that trope and subverts it 
to show yep. you this incredibly strong version of Zelda. And mm-hmm. so to me, to ignore that means your comprehension of, of uh, understanding narrative is shit. And if your comprehension of understanding narrative, uh, as basic as this is, you are going to give bad critique. And I don't, I don't like that the like biggest name in feminist critique of video games, which we sorely need, is terrible. Yeah. Like it is it is the same problem I had with the her her critique of Bayonetta, where it's like, if you are going to critique like she critiques Bayonetta from a purely uh Western white female perspective, mm-hmm. and it ignores Japanese culture and also intersectionality a hundred percent. And yeah. non intersectionality in feminism and, and and any of those studies is so fucking frustrating. Yeah, oh yeah, um, absolutely. And that's, you know, I don't know, I get I get really fired up about it because I'm like, there should be, there needs to be a good voice in this stuff. There needs to be good people writing about it. And there are some of them. Um, mm-hmm. But you write shit like this and you're just fueling all of these asshole fanboys to react poorly and be, be dickheads. And that's not me saying you're asking for it. That's not me saying that's their fault. Mm-hmm. It's me saying do better. If you're yeah. going to be the biggest name in that realm, do better. It's white feminism. It's the whole argument about women of color having to constantly check white women for not being intersectional when it comes to being a feminist it's like all of these things are intersectional and we need to be taking perspectives from women of color trans women and all of these all different self-identifying people as women we need all of these perspectives and to not have that as part of your critique is really kind of shitty in my opinion well, and that's why I took some umbrage with there is an article that um, talked about some of the the transphobic joke, uh, the tra- the transphobic joke that happens in the Gerudo village mm-hmm. in Zelda, which mm-hmm. is legit. That's oh, what happens, and it's and it's gross, and it's played for a punchline. Um, so yeah, absolutely, I think that we should talk about that. Um, I think you also have to take into account that there's all these other things about your time in the Gerudo village that support um transgender women um Mm -hmm. i think it's apparent to a lot of the gerudo females that you are a a dude that you have a male body you go into the sauna at some point and they comment on how strong you look for a vi like no one ever questions despite all these like things that um are obvious to them about your body that would designate Mm -hmm. you as a male no Mm -hmm. one ever actually questions you designating yourself as a female while you're in there right um which I could be reading too closely on this, but I think that you could make an argument that that means that the Gerudo culture isn't about no men being within the walls um, based on your, uh, your, your like biological gender, like what you're, what you're born with DNA wise. Right. But that Mm -hmm. it's based on what you choose to be and what you identify as, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that's what it is, but I think it should be part of that conversation if we're going to talk about it. Mm hmm. Yeah, and we can touch on a lot of this stuff again with Zelda. Like, we I want to. I think it's fair that we give it a little bit more time for people to get their hands on the game because I still feel like it's only it's barely been out a month. So I don't yeah. want to. Yeah, I feel like we could probably tackle this subject again, probably maybe in uh, June or something when the game's been out for a little bit longer. We can kind of take a deep dive into. Yeah, the, I would love the, to talk about more of yeah, it later. Yeah, later. But yeah, we definitely want to give people that either are waiting to get a switch or I just haven't had the opportunity to play Zelda yet or much had much, much uh, hands-on time with it 
yeah, we don't want to spoil it for you guys, so we'll kind of like keep our comments kind of vague as we have been. But mm-hmm. we definitely will talk about it at length in the future for sure. Yeah, and if you guys have any questions or like parts of it that you're curious about, like what we think about it, mm-hmm. email us and we'll talk about them on the show for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So please feel free to reach out to us when it comes to that stuff. Uh, but yeah, um, I'm with you like 100% on, on, on how you feel about it for sure. And it's definitely, there is a, I think there is a much bigger conversation that needs to be had. And, and that conversation requires uh, spoilers. So yeah, we'll, for sure. uh, we'll, we'll save that for later. <laughs> But um, so let's see, before we jump into um, Mass Effect Andromeda um I've been playing Overwatch since the, uh, since the patch with Orisa, and mm-hmm. she's pretty fun. I really like her a lot. Uh, she, um, she feels like a really well-rounded tank. Like there's like little bits of like all the other tanks that are in the game, that sh- that kind of, that she gets, and I think it makes her really well rounded. Um, she's been a lot of fun to use. I like her a lot. I'm still really bad with her, hmm. but her kit's really fun. Um, I like that. Um, I like her soccer goal shaped shield that you can kind of get behind that you can shoot out, which is really cool. And it has like 900 health. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, which is a lot, which is great. Because Arisa only has 400 health. Like, the character herself only has 400 health. But then she has the uh, Halt ability, which basically gives her super armor so that she takes less damage from attacks for a certain amount of time. And then she has the shield. And then her her secondary fire is this kind of slow-traveling... Um, energy ball, kind of like when you uh, do Symmetra's charged up blast. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like that. It kind of goes at the same like speed as Symmetra's. And then when it explodes, it's it, it's kind of like a graviton surge thing of a bit. So it kind of sucks people in and it, and it deals damage. So it's really cool. One of my friends was playing and they were on Icon Wild and the part of the map where there's the bridge before you get into the door to go to the third point. Uh, for when you're doing uh, escort the payload missions, you know how like, you can fall off those those two edges where mm-hmm. that where the drawbridge is. Um, he shot the blast over the if if you are escorting the payload on the right hand side, he shot the blast towards the door, and it sucked three of the players in, and they all <laughs> fell off the stage. <laughs> and it's yeah, like she's really really cool. I like her a lot. Um, she's like. That's such a good character design, and it's such a cool character, and yeah, like it's. I think she's really rounding out the the tanks really well, and I appreciate that all of the DLC characters in Overwatch so far have all been female or ID'd as female, mm-hmm. which has been super awesome, and they've all been women of color. Which yeah, and it's great. And I love how distinctly, despite her being a, a robot, I love how distinctly African. Um, yes. Yeah. They codified like all of her design as a mm-hmm. robot. Um, mm-hmm. It's just really cool because I feel like that's um, you never. I don't. I don't think I ever see like robot designs that I- incorporate traditional African mm-hmm. um, aesthetic. So that's really, really just cool to see from a from a character design perspective, yeah. and also from a representation perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And because at first, when 
the rumors are coming up like, oh, like Effie is like, is the new, is, she's the new hero. She's the new hero. But it's like, I don't want to shoot a 10 year old black girl. Like, yeah. <laughs> like that, like that would be so, I was like, ooh, this is making me nervous. But then when we actually see that, like she built the robot that is the playable character, which is just as cool to me. Like, I think it's, I think it's awesome. It's giving like young, like dark skin, like, well, young black girls, but especially like highlighting like dark skin black girls showing she's that, very like, dark which yeah, is cool like, which is which is super cool and like she's smart and she's a ge- like, she's a genius and she built this really dope robot who is kind of like like a soft gentle mom which is really <laughs> which is really great so because it could have easily been like i'm a chalk robot i will kill you like no she's like soft and gentle and very sweet but you know and wants to protect people and and knows that she makes mistakes and wants to be better and all that stuff. So it's, it's really cool. Like it's really, really cool from a representation standpoint. And I think, I think she sends a really awesome message to like young girls of color, which Mm -hmm. is really awesome. So I, I like her a lot. I suck really bad with her still, but she's really, she's a really cool character. Yeah. It makes me think a lot of actually the new, um, I haven't been following too closely, but the new Iron Man in Marvel is a young black woman, like yeah. college aged, I think. No, she's she's, a, like a, she's hi- high school, high school, and mm-hmm. she's just a like hyper smart scientist who made her own Iron Man suit, um, and it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's just you know it, people always complain about like uh, well not everyone but you know the internet gamers complain about oh it's another woman or it's another person of color or oh, SJWs, and I'm just like yo if you want realistic games this is reality that's it. Yeah. Like anyone can be any color. Um, And if anything, it's, it's potentially more accurate in as much as most, I think masters and PhDs right now are women, like as far as like currently graduating ones um, and minorities that come Mm -hmm. to America to get those masters and PhDs, especially in things like engineering and robotics. Um, So if you want to like complain about it being, whatever i'm like no nah, it's just realistic dog <laughs> yeah and get, just chill and get the fuck over it yeah it's about white people sorry buddy get good white boy go get your robotics degree if you want. <laughs> <laughs> sorry yeah sorry about it sorry about it um but uh, something else that's pretty exciting i know that you're really excited about it is uh destiny 2 oh boy oh boy oh boy oh boy oh boy oh boy oh man i mean after getting to go to bungie and not see anything um <laughs> Uh, which even if I did, I signed an NDA, so I can't. Um, but uh, I've been really excited for Destiny 2 because I haven't played much at all lately because there hasn't been new stuff. Um, actually, I'm going to have to get back into it a little bit, which I don't need right now because there's other games I need yeah. to play. Yeah. Um, because on Tuesday, they dropped the Age of Triumph stuff, which all of the raids are now um, 390 light. So now they're all like there's a reason to do them because before they didn't scale them at all and mm-hmm. they didn't scale the drops. So now every raid has uh, new challenge modes that rotate each week for different raids. They're all 390 light, which means um, cap is I think 400. Mm-hmm. So that means they're, they're difficult um, and they all drop new stuff. Uh, it's either like there's some new armor sets that are really, really cool looking. Yeah. And there's also um, scaled up versions of some of like the really, really good weapon drops from those raids. Like, uh, there's a scaled-up Fatebringer now, which is one of my favorite um, hand cannons in the game. Um, so uh, I'm really excited for the new game, though, because we're going to get to see 
I think a really beautiful game. Bungie always makes their stuff really pretty. Yeah. And Destiny, I think, was visually gorgeous, but also hampered by being a game that had to have support across um, two generations. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna get to see a fresh start. Uh, and now also with you know PS4 Pro and I'd imagine Scorpio support, um, it'll be interesting to see how good they look. Um, and everything I've heard rumor-wise, it's going to be a very, very, very different game. Um, there's lots of rumors that uh, the areas, it'll almost be more like MMO open world style as opposed to you go to this planet and it's an open area and you do stuff on it. Um, but if you want to go to a social area, you have to go back to orbit to go to one of the designated social areas or or um, you have to zone in to a specific um, mission to go to an area of the planet and have it active. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like we might just have a planet and then you can go to areas of the planet to engage in things, um, which is definitely more MMO-esque and also yeah. seems like more engrossing. Um, I'm really hoping for uh, ship stuff, like whether you can fly your ship in orbit um, or like in atmosphere or if there's dogfighting, that'd be cool. Not necessary, cool. but it'd be cool if there was space combat. Um, and also your own personalized living spaces. I would love if all of the ships have like your own apartment that you can decorate with like collectibles and, and loot and shit. Yeah, that'd um, be cool. Based on what I can surmise from the poster and the teaser that came out today. Um, so in the Destiny lore, the last city is at the base of the tower and you never go down to the last city. You know that there's people that live there, but it's a thing that like the guardians don't go down to. Um, and sort of for good reason, because technically guardians in a weird way are sort of like weird space zombies. Like mm-hmm. you've been dead for a long time and the ghosts, which came out of the traveler, if I remember correctly, like bring you back to life yeah. because you're chosen for these missions. Um, but so for normal people, that's kind of freaky, I guess. Um, so all of the content shows the last city on fire and like smoking. And then today had a really awesome teaser trailer. That was all Cade six. Who's played by Nathan Fillion. Um, and it showed like actual urban combat happening, which is what I've wanted for a long time in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause destiny feels very much like the worlds are amazing, but they don't feel very, they feel very uh, not lived in. Yeah. Um, so I love the idea of, the last city being a major area in the game, hopefully, and it feeling really lived in and it telling a story. Um, man. Yeah. And also just the trailer is so good. Uh, Kate six is already very, very charming and very funny. Um, and he's always been funny in the game. Like they've always done a really good job of inserting, um, post destiny vanilla, inserting humor into it. Um, and the little bit that has Nathan filling as Kate six in that teaser is just, um, it, it's it's what dialogue should sound like in games. It's really, really naturalistic. Yeah. Um, it's actually so natural that I know that Nathan Fillion actually has a pretty intense improv, uh, improv background. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that there was a script. I would not be surprised if a good chunk of his session was improvised, though. Um, the dialogue is just so incredibly naturalistic uh, and charming. And it's it, no matter how good your writing is, it's really, really hard I think to for stuff to sound that good and that natural, unless you're putting a little bit of improvisation into it. Yeah, um, but it's so good. It's so good. I'm so there's gonna be uh, I think Friday a full trailer, mm-hmm. and I I don't know if we're gonna see any inclinations of gameplay, but I'm so fucking excited for it. 
Yeah, I watched the uh, the teaser right before we started recording, and it looked yeah, and it it sounded great. I, I chuckled at the the dialogue. I thought it was really good and really clever. And yeah, I hope that it's a better, like, even better, and an even more different game. I I I had a hard time getting into Destiny, but I feel like what I played, I enjoyed, and I see why people love it and why they're obsessed with it and. and Every, and all that stuff because it's a it's a solid game it's a really really solid game so I'm interested to see what they do with it with the next installment mm-hmm. of Destiny you gotta you gotta play it with at least the the Destiny one I think you have to have a group of friends that you play it with all the time oh yeah otherwise I think it loses some of its fun um, so I'm actually mm-hmm. really curious to see if this one will be as good or interesting single player yeah. or not um, it's fine if it isn't but it would be definitely interesting and I think make it more accessible to um, to people like you that aren't so big into FPSs necessarily. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, like I thought. Yeah, I thought that the mix of RPG and MMO elements into Destiny is what is that's what hooked me. That's what got me into wanting to even play it to begin with, anyway. And I think those elements are really good. It's one of those things that, like, when you put down a game like that and then you don't touch it for six months to a year, and then you come back to it, you're like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? I don't know what's going on. Um, yeah, so it's hard to kind of jump back into things like that. But I'm definitely interested to see what Destiny 2 has in store. I can't wait to see gameplay if we get it uh, now or if we get something at E3 or just whenever, you know. And I can't wait to see future stuff for it. And uh, I'm excited for that team because I know a lot of people are really excited about that game. And and I know that they're going to deliver on some pretty cool stuff. So let's hope let's hope that it's a, that it's a huge success. I'm hoping so, especially because I think people loved to hate the first game in a weird way. Mm-hmm. It got a lot of flack, and I don't, especially after a Vanilla, I don't understand why. So I'm hoping that more people give it a chance, because it is really, it has some of the best art direction of any yeah. game yeah. I've yeah. I've played. Um, it actually makes me sad. Like, I, I'm I'm playing Mass Effect Andromeda right now, and it's very good, but, uh, well, okay, it's we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I might pull the very off that. Um but uh, it does make me miss the art direction that's in Destiny, for mm-hmm. sure. Gotcha. Yeah, well, let's hope. I'm, I'm interested to see what this trailer is going to be like on Friday. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. me too. And that's going to and it's gonna come up uh, March 30th, which is Friday, at 10 a.m.? Yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah. I don't know if that's EST or PST. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. But, uh... Yeah, so while we're on the subject of shooting games, but on the completely opposite opposite spectrum, uh, I played in the Splatoon 2 Global Test Fire over the weekend, and very much like the first game, it's awesome. <laughs> so did you have a question for you about yeah. it. As mm-hmm. someone who couldn't get into the first Splatoon, even though I desperately wanted to, because I loved the design of it, I loved the mm-hmm. idea of it, mm-hmm. um, I just couldn't bring myself to give a shit about it Mm -hmm. um is there any reason why i would care about two um from the test fire perspective i would i would say no because at least right now in the test fire it should just kind of like to see like does the game work (laughs) like Mm -hmm. does like the the matchmaking and everything does it does it work and to give people a taste of what the core gameplay is going to be um so it was very it felt very very familiar to the first game um we, there are obviously there are big changes like uh, the different uh, weapons, the, the different special abilities that each of the weapons have, new levels, 
obviously a way more squid kid customization is going to be a big part of the game uh but i think what will probably make you care is like all the extra content that's going to be in the game since what i love so much about splatoon 1 is that it had a whole single player campaign which was really really great and it was long enough for you to kind of like get accustomed to the controls and you got to experiment with different weapons and kind of see how all the different pieces of the game works and it was i wouldn't say like the single player mode was definitely a bit of a tutorial, but it was fun. And it was about five hours, like a five hour or so campaign. And it was great. Like the, the campaign was really, really solid for Splatoon 1. And I really liked that. And I hope we get more of that in Splatoon 2. I really um, liked the uh, single player campaign, oddly yeah. enough. Um, yeah, it wasn't it was super good. deep, but it had a couple really fun boss fights that used interesting mechanics. And I was mm-hmm. like, this, they didn't need to do this at all. Um, yeah, they didn't have to at all. And it, and it was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so from the global test fire perspective, no, um, I don't think it would change your opinion of, of the game from there. Uh, I'm hoping that the complete package of the game does. And what, I don't know, I'm, I've been having this, like, I mean, I, no, it's no surprise that I love Nintendo shit, that I'm a huge Nintendo guy as I look at my apartment covered in Nintendo shit. Um, like the fact that I'm able to just enjoy Splatoon at its at its best on the Nintendo Switch. I was playing it at my boyfriend's house, so I wasn't on the TV or anything like that. I was just playing it in handheld mode, laying on my boyfriend's bed, just like hanging out, waiting for him to come uh, come back from the gym, and just playing the global test fire. I'm like, this is so dope. Like just being able to have this in my hand and not attached to the super big chunky gamepad was a delight. It was such a treat. It was such a such a treat just to play it, and I think. You know what? What I think I might what might change it for you is uh, just being able to play it with a pro controller. Yeah, yeah, because I do the. I, I wasn't crazy about how the Wii U controller felt, honestly. Mm-hmm. Playing it because I played it the. It was Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of this past weekend, and on Friday I played it at home on the TV with the pro controller. Beautiful. Fantastic! I wish the Pro Controller support was in the first game because uh, there was literally no reason. And I even set this back before the game even came out when I played it at E3, the first one. I'm like, there is no reason, control scheme-wise, why you can't play it with a Pro Controller. And when you played the two-player split-screen mode, you could play with the Pro Controller, but that was the only way that you could do that, was in that one that 1v1 mode uh, split-screen was the only way that you could do it. And I'm like, why can't I just play with the Pro Controller period mm-hmm. so i'm glad that you i'm glad that because there's not this whole the two screen situation anymore with with nintendo switch that you can just play the game with a pro controller which is what it, you should have been able to do from the get-go i think that'll make a big difference in terms of like being able to just like sit down and enjoy it without feeling like, oh i gotta get the the clunky ass gamepad and you know deal with that i think it's it's a more streamlined experience by it only having to worry about the one screen. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes a lot of that. I think that makes a huge difference. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I think I the, uh, the shooting always felt a little weird or off to mm-hmm. me. Like mm-hmm. I was frustrated that, um, cause I can snipe. Okay. in mm-hmm. in console games. Yeah. Um, and I could never get the feel for sniping right in that game. And it mm-hmm. always bugged me. And I, I, part of it was, I think just the, for me, the Wii U controller, mm-hmm. um, just didn't give me enough range of motion for that. So I am curious if I would be less frustrated this time around. Yeah. Um, is there a reason why I would 
hop on to play this, say, over playing Overwatch with my friends? Um, I just think from an accessibility standpoint, um, even though, like, I, Overwatch is inherently a an eSport. Like, yeah. Overwatch is designed to be an eSport. Um, even though, I, even though, even from the, uh, the Nintendo Switch uh, reveal trailer where they showed them, like, an eSports arena for Splatoon 2, um, I feel like there's less pressure in Splatoon. And I think that would be more appealing. It's like, oh, well, I can play Splatoon with my friends and I'm not going to, like, take it as seriously as I would a game like Overwatch and just be able to enjoy it and have fun and, you know, be cute little squid kids and customize them and cute little outfits and stuff like that. So I just think from an accessibility standpoint will be, it'll, I would, I would play that, like, over Overwatch to a degree, but I love Overwatch so much. I'm like Overwatch garbage. So it's hard for me to be like, what other game would I play besides Overwatch as a shooting game? Yeah. Like when I think about it, because, mm-hmm. you know, like Destiny offers a very different, it's a RPG. So it's mm-hmm. a very different shooty game with friends for me. Mm-hmm. Um, versus this, I I do wonder if it's going to be harder for it to gain traction now that Overwatch is a thing. Because for all of my friends who don't usually play shooters uh, because of the accessibility problems, mm-hmm. they all, like all of them play Overwatch. Yeah. Um, so I am curious how it'll do, especially if somehow... Uh, Overwatch gets ported to the Switch, which isn't out of the question from what mm-hmm. I understand. Yeah, it's they not out of the make, question. They would have to make... It would definitely not look as good as it does on the consoles by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they haven't said it's something that's not possible. Yeah. Um, so that'd be interesting mm-hmm. if that happened. Yeah, because Jeff Kaplan did um, come out and say like that it would be a challenge to get it to Nintendo Switch, but it isn't out of the question. Yeah, and I think if, yeah. if they can put, you know... Skyrim on there, mm-hmm. there's potential, or even just, I mean, looking at Breath of the Wild and stuff yeah. like that, there's potential yeah. to have something like Overwatch on there. They're just going to have to really, um, I think, really tune on the graphics to hit 60 FPS because uh, yep. it's going to have to run at 60 because everything oh, yeah, else it does. Has to. It has to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that would definitely be a challenge for sure. And uh, it, that would be cool if it did, because having portable Overwatch would be so dope. Yes. <laughs> Can you imagine um, like being at a con and like everyone bringing up their switches and Overwatching, like even just like local yeah, land play Overwatch? That would be so sick! Oh my Very god, that would good. be that would be so sick. Um, yeah, that would be amazing. Um, but yeah, I I think uh, Splatoon and Overwatch kind of uh, hits a lot of the same demographics in terms of people that play. Um, in terms of, and I guess what I mean in demographics in terms of people that play are people, Overwatch has had this ability to bring in people that don't play shooters to play a shooter. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of audience that Splatoon kind of plays towards and younger. So I think that, um, I don't think it will have as much of an install base as Overwatch does clearly because of just how many systems that it's on. Mm-hmm. But I think for the people that love Splatoon, which is a lot of people, um, that it'll be fine on its own. It'll do its own thing, and and you know it'll it'll coexist. But I don't think it's gonna reach numbers like Overwatch has at this point, just because like it's Blizzard and it's such a god. That game is so good. Yeah, and it, there's just not the install base, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as so the Switch is like still sold out most places. It's still kind of hard to get one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of people I think are jumping to like, oh, it's a huge success. 
Um, it is doing really, really well right now. Mm-hmm. What we're going to have to, I think it's too early to say it's a huge hit. Um, I think it's doing really well and I'm very happy for it doing so well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just going to be whether or not six months from now, it's still selling well or not. Um, and I hope it does. And I, and I think that it will. Um, I know a case for a lot of people right now, especially because the the two big, quote-unquote, big games that are on it right now are games that are available on the Wii U. So for people that are kind of on the fence about it, which is absolutely fair and legitimate, um, like Breath of the Wild, you can play on the Wii U. Um, the The biggest thing about Breath of the Wild being on Switch is that you can take it with you. Mm-hmm. And that, that that's for me was my is my takeaway, which is why I chose to get the Switch version because I, A, I'm an early adopter of Nintendo shit all the time. And that's how I've always been. Um, so I already know what I'm getting myself into when I when I buy Nintendo consoles early, so I don't really care because um, it's not like I don't have a million other games to play. But, um, and then Mario Kart, which it's all, it's all the DLC plus new stuff um, that isn't available on the Wii U version on the Nintendo Switch version, which is kind of like the, uh, the point of difference between the two, the two versions of the game. Mm-hmm. So I can get why people would kind of like want to wait until like something like Arms comes out and then Splatoon 2 and all that stuff. Because Splatoon 2 isn't coming to the, to the Wii U. It's only going to be on Switch. So um, once, once there are games that like this is only going to be on this are when, pe- when I think people are going to be more interested in it. And I think that with E3 being right around the corner and they and Nintendo just released a statement saying that like E3 is going to be one of like the biggest years that we've had in a really long in a really long time considering that last year was very nothing. It was like stuff that had already been announced previously that they had for E3 last year because they were focusing on on Switch. So, I'm interested to see what they show us at E3 this year, um showing us what killer apps we can look forward to for the Nintendo Switch in uh, late 2017 going into 2018. So I definitely think that if people are waiting to get a Nintendo Switch, waiting till Christmas was going to be the best time because then you're going to see like, oh, well, we're offering deals if you want to get Breath of the Wild or Mario Kart Deluxe and ARMS or whatever else is going to be out by then. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I think it's it's a fair assessment to wait for the Switch if you don't absolutely have to have it, if you don't mind playing Zelda on the Wii U, which there's no, there's nothing wrong with playing Breath of the Wild on the Wii U. It's fine. Um, yeah, I would I would definitely wait. And I think that's a fair economical decision to do <laughs> is to wait oh, on for the sure. system. Yeah. Yeah, give it till give it till after E three, see if there's stuff coming out that excites you. Yep. And then there will for sure be some sort of bundle deal for Black Friday. Mm-hmm. Um whether it's Nintendo offering it with a pack in or it's just Best Buy or Target, mm-hmm. whoever offering something with it, um, in their yeah. stores. There'll be something. Yeah. Like I'm garbage, so <laughs> I'm like, Yeah, I'm gonna buy that Nintendo thing whenever it comes out. So like <laughs> you have to take my opinion with a grain of salt. <laughs> but if at E three they announce a Metroid game you better go out and fucking buy that Switch right away. <laughs> yeah, for for real. You I better support that Metroid yeah, game. Yeah, like that would be so dope. And I hope we actually see um, the Xenoblade Two. We see like more gameplay footage of that, and we get a release date. Because right now it says it's coming out in 2017, but I don't believe that. So 
Um, if it does come out in 2017, I will be very fucking surprised. Um, but yeah, but yeah, so Christmas Mario Odyssey will be out. So that's nuts. that that's already happening. Sorry. Yeah, that's our yeah Mario yeah Mario Odyssey is already happening. So like that's gonna be the game to get for Christmas. So like if you wait to get Mar- to get the system with the portable system that has Mario and Zelda on it at mm-hmm. Christmas, Merry fucking Christmas. Mario Adventure, Mario 2006. Look at real humans. <laughs> I don't really care about the fucking stage. Like the rest of the game is beautiful. Oh no, I'm yeah. like I'm super excited about it. I just like I still. I just they're goofy. Was, they're really goofy looking people. So funny and such a weird choice to be like, yeah, here's Mario, but here's real people. Yeah. <laughs> so um, now we know that Mario's not a real person. He's some other weird, weird creation. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be good though. I'm sure it'll be great. Yeah, it's gonna be lit. I'm excited. To the meat and potatoes about Mass Effect and Drama Don Madamadon. Because I've oh, got boy. a lot of questions. I got a lot of questions for you. Yeah, please, please uh pop in with questions as much as possible because I got some answers. Yeah. Um I'm gonna try to I think I'm gonna try streaming it here and there just because okay. uh, I'm 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 conflicted about it because it's such a narrative heavy game that I want to really focus on it. Um yeah. but at the same time, so many things are already pulling me out of being engrossed that I don't know mm-hmm. if streaming's gonna really affect that. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's let me start off. Um, environments look amazing. It's a really pretty game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm only a couple hours into it. Um, I just settled my first outpost on EOS just to give if anyone's playing an idea of where I am. So it's still very early. Um, so it does it does a lot of the good stuff that Mass Effect games do, which um, I'm really curious about where the story's going. They're already planting seeds of a lot of interesting sort of um big scheme stuff uh mm-hmm. which is really cool and i think mass effect has always done a really good job of doing big high level high concept stories um i like the characters that i've all met that are part of my crew uh, uh vetra who's the turian she's awesome uh pv the asari is really really good uh the new krogan uh it, drac i think is really awesome um Everyone's really lovable so far. That's good. Uh, and I don't, I don't know if anything's gonna like beat Garrus, but that's also I think nostalgia talking in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, so all that part of it is good, and most of your crewmates uh, that aren't your party mates, but people that run the ship, are also really great. Um, I like those aspects of it a lot. Uh, combat still at this point in the game, combat feels like it's going to get really good. Uh, combat's incredibly mobile. Um, the cooldown on your jump jet capabilities, whether it's jumping in the air with it and hovering or dashing, is like a half second. So I actually, um, it's not like it at all, but I actually, in my brain, the first thing that came up in my brain to to compare it to was, um, oh God, what was that platinum game where you had like jets all over your legs? Oh, um, 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 
Oh my god, and, it's on the tip of my tongue. And you're it's just like dashing my, everywhere. It's on the tip of my tongue. All I know what you're time. talking about because we just talked about it. Um, oh my god. Right oh my god. Oh my god. It's, it's oh my god. Really... Vanquish. 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 That's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So like, it actually, in a weird way, that kind of reminds me of Vanquish, even though it's nowhere near as hectic and crazy and insane. Um, yeah. But uh, so like all of those things about it are good and I like. Uh, basically. I feel like there's a really, really good Mass Effect game in there. Yeah. Uh, I think I agree with it getting not amazing scores, and I agree with a lot of the backlash I'm seeing, because it also feels completely half-baked to me in a lot of ways. Um, like, that game why? seems like it needed another six months. And... Why, does it feel half- oh, why, why does it feel half-baked to you? Just because it needed more six months? Or, like, what specifically um, are you seeing that's, like... I guess comparing it to what Mass Effect 3, which people are like, oh my God, Mass Effect 3 is everything and blah, blah, blah. Well, it's, so really, it's really good. Like, how I, does that? I think there's things that Mass Effect never has, has never done well. Okay. Um, and I think when Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3 came out, we were so enamored with the world and how impressive Mass Effect was mm-hmm. that it was really easy to forgive those things. But okay. it's 2017 now, and there's a lot of games that do what Mass Effect does better. Um, yeah. And not what not all of what Mass Effect does, but components of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think, uh, and this is an issue I think with a lot of Bioware games, but it feels more of an issue in this than it did in say like Dragon Age. Um, right. Uh, editing is always really weird in Mass Effect. Like whether it's just the camera switching between characters in a conversation, or the camera holding too long on a character not saying anything. Yeah. Or um, there's a moment right off the bat when you are going to. Um, Habitat 7 is this planet you're checking out to see if it's a golden world, if it can support human life. Yeah. And uh, immediately shit goes wrong. Your shuttle explodes and you are free falling towards the planet's surface. And you, instead of like free falling to the planet's surface and like it, like transitioning to a, a different camera angle to set up, like you sort of boosting yourself so you don't hit the ground too hard, but still pretty hard. There is like, a quick blackout cut and there always is a mass effect games where instead of like just switching cameras, there's always this like quarter second, just black screen. And then we get the different camera angle and it just wrecks momentum to me as far yeah, as that's weird. And I mean, it's always, if you go back and look at other mass effect games, it happens all the time between so many transitions and things, there's a black screen for a second. And I'm sure it has to do with the technical limitation, mm-hmm. but it's to me, super jarring and it's something that i haven't seen in a game in a long time yeah so it's even more pronounced than say it was in like old mass effect Mm -hmm. um i think dialogue is kind of rough and i think dialogue is uh is done even a greater disservice in how it's edited together the pacing in dialogue is really to me really jarring um and it's not just and and it's because a lot of the dialogue to me doesn't sound natural like i was just talking about that um that Destiny teaser with Kate Six. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. you want good dialogue in a game, that's fucking great dialogue. I understand it's a trailer; it could be more curated that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, that's what good dialogue should sound like in a game. Very, very natural. Um, you know, it matches the character's voice really good. Um, the dialogue in this feels iffy, and I think it's always felt iffy in Mass Effect games. It's always been a little bit campy or schlocky, but that's part of Mass Effect. But it's a campy series to me. Yeah. Um it is very much like big space big space soap opera. Mm-hmm. Um 
again, it just feels, I think, more obvious now that we've had so many games that do storytelling so well that aren't Mass Effect mm-hmm. or Bioware titles. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, all of the flirt lines, because you can flirt a lot in this game, a lot more than in the previous ones. Yeah. Every time I write her, and I'm playing a female writer, uh, so I feel like it should be less creepy, if anything. Every time I drop a flirt line, it's the like corniest, cheesiest, and then sometimes just straight up creepy thing to say to a person. Yeah. Um, especially given the fact that you're everyone's boss, if you think about it in those terms, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like my, my continual joke while I've been playing it with my friends, uh, my roommates watching, is just like flirting with someone and then being like, if they walk away, being like, well, they're going to HR. Because like, this is like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's immediately like not okay. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The way I explained it, and maybe the greater Mass Effect fandom isn't realizing it because it's it's what their perception of clever pickup lines and flirting is, and I get that. Mm-hmm. But it, it does sound like someone at a con, some nerdy person at a con, like using a really shitty, really corny, cheesy, played out pickup line on you. Oh, no. That's just how it feels every time I hit on someone. It doesn't Ugh. feel smooth at all it just feels like i'm very awkwardly being like well here's this really smart clever lion to get you horny and if it was in real life with real people uh it would never work it would it would just come off like creepy and i hate it so i i I, flirting with people in this game i obviously want to do it because i'm a horny boy but um (laughs) every time i do i almost feel bad because to me it comes across so creepy and awkward Um, yeah so there, there's that with the dialogue. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is just animation stuff is all over the fucking place. Every time I play the game, there's at least 10 things I see animation-wise. And it's not just the lip movement stuff, right? Um, that's a big deal. But to be honest, after playing it for a couple hours, you you start to notice it less, which is good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you don't notice it with the aliens at all, really. It's yeah. really just when humans move their mouths. Um, is that, is it that, that kind of like uncanny valley situation happening um people's eyes animate really weird even writers like i know that small eye movements are a thing that you're supposed to have because mm-hmm. people do small eye movements when they talk mm-hmm. um writer will be having a conversation with someone and she won't be looking at them at all and then she'll be looking like like way far away from them and then mm-hmm. her eyes will dart around like a billion times as if she's super suspicious um <laughs> while she has no- like she just her yeah. eyes are just constantly fucking moving around Mm -hmm. and i don't it's it's incredibly distracting yeah um and i I have a feeling that's probably something that's related to the lip stuff where it's just working on a baseline algorithm um -hmm. there's a really really great twitter thread from a guy who's worked on uh the previous mass effect games and uncharted and a bunch of other stuff um and he gives his reasons for like what he thinks is going on and basically he's like Mm -hmm. it is bad like it's not it doesn't look good but instead of freaking out about it or like talking out your ass here's what i think it actually is um there's actually a link to a really interesting thread um a forum that's all game animators and they all talk about what they think what like happened there and why it's so bad yeah it's a really interesting read um if i can find i'll I'll tweet it out please Um, please do please do so um Every time I talk to, like, a lot of NPCs I talk to, right? Uh, I settle EOS, all these people come down in their pods, and there's suddenly, like, a lot, of, a lot of NPCs in this area. And some of them are NPCs that are, like, you have dialogue with that's not crazy important. Mm-hmm. Um, like, one of them was a doctor. And while he's talking to me, he's just, his animation is going through a loop with no yeah. regard to what he's doing at all. 
so yeah. he's just like talking to me and then like putting his hand like near my face and it's covering his face sort of for my camera angle and then scanning my body and then doing more weird gesticulations and then scanning my body again. And no matter where we are in the conversation, he's just doing this. So it doesn't match up at all. Yeah. Um, and this is a triggered conversation I'm having with him. Um, in one of the other pods, I was talking to a guy uh, who it's not a triggered conversation. It's a proximity one where if you just get close, they start talking. Yeah. And it's the same thing. He's on a very short, maybe 10 second animation loop that never stops. So he's just doing like weird, almost like boy band hand movements and then crouching over and like, like uh, crouching over onto the ground. And then just like, he's just doing so much weird shit, whether or not he's talking to me in a loop with no regard to any triggers concerning my character. And so it just looks like everyone is insane. Like everyone's an insane person who's just doing weird motions at all times. Um, yeah, I, think... I, I would. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, no, I mean, real quick. But like, I feel like a lot of games still have that problem, especially when you're like playing an open world game that has NPCs that you interact with, like in RPGs and things of that nature, or action adventure games to where you interact with NPCs. That they always have these really awkward this is me talking animations, mm -hmm. but especially if it's fine if they're not voiced, but if they're voiced and they have the same loop animation of them talking, it doesn't make sense because that's not how, like, it just looks really weird. It always looks super, super awkward. That happened a lot in final fantasy 15. Uh, I remember in 15 that you're having a conversation with one of the one of the characters that joins your party for a little bit and then goes away. Mm -hmm. um, she had an animation. Did you beat the game yet? Did no, you finish because, that game? No, I'm sorry. There's been so many other games. It's it's also. <sighs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's also. But no, 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 no. Don't. If you're gonna if you're gonna apologize to me about anything, don't apologize to me for Final Fantasy 15. Um, <laughs> But what what there, else have I done? What should I be apologizing about? Nothing, nothing. Oh. You're wonderful. The only the only travesty that you've committed is that you're not in San Francisco hanging out with me. This is true. Um, but I'll I'll I will allow that. Also, but, San uh, Francisco <laughs> is it, a travesty that it doesn't have me. Let's be. Yeah, it's it's true. I mean, if, if we're gonna be real, if we're gonna be real, that's that's really what it is. But um, yeah, it just it's always so weird and jarring to me when there are these games where there are NPCs that are voiced and they have their I'm talking animation and the talking animation is 10 seconds and the conversation is at least a minute and a half. So you see the animation five or six times and people don't like gesture like that when they're having a conversation or when they're talking, they don't make this like if they're saying the same thing, that's one thing, but it's always so unnatural and it doesn't seem like what they're actually saying matches their body language and it's always so weird um and i know for people like you and i like that kind of shit bugs the hell out of us but i remember i was talking to uh my boyfriend about something i was talking to him about an animation in a game and i was like yeah like have you ever noticed that in games like when they start talking to you like it's they do x y and z and he's like i've never noticed that in my life <laughs> and and I'm like, oh, well, maybe it's just something that I'm, like, super, super picky about. But I think that's what we, we, you and I are here for and this podcast to talk about things about games that annoy the shit out of us and all that stuff. Yeah, it just, it just, I don't know, it always bugs me. Those talking animations always really bother me. Well, and, like, let me be lot. 
clear too. I don't think I do. I think uh, Mass Effect is getting more shit than it deserves for all of this stuff. Sure. Because um, I'm not saying that this stuff doesn't exist in other games, right? Um, at all, because it does. I do think that the level to which I'm seeing it is somewhat alarming because um, to to compare it to another really really massive scale open world game that is as complicated as far as how many systems are in place mm-hmm. um, like a Fallout 4 and I think there's very few few things that you can compare it to that are on the same level outside of um, Bethesda games like Fallout and Skyrim um, it to me and I might be misremembering but it to me is worse than the stuff that's in those games um, mm-hmm. which are notoriously buggy and glitchy um which is why it's so surprising to me um so i don't think anyone should be hating on the game i sure i want people to enjoy it i am enjoying it um i feel like i'm having to sort of ignore a lot of bad stuff to get to the good stuff so yeah i don't want anyone to think that like i want to just fucking drag mass effect um I'm surprised at things that I'm seeing in a game in 2017 from such a high-profile AAA title is what's what's going on here. I think yeah. that there is an excellent, really good game under all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just having to actively like think about it. And I think that there's some people out there who are really big Mass Effect, effect, uh, Mass effect fans that um, don't want to admit those things or don't talk about it. Or maybe they just don't notice it. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. as far as like for what we do and, and you know, game criticism, good and bad, we have to at least address it and that it's yeah. there. Um, Agreed. And, I, and I think that like Bioware, to some degree, it wouldn't hurt for them to address it. Um, mm-hmm. I also have to remember, like Mass Effect 3 is sort of in the, it's not responsible for Gamergate, but it was to me like the turning point in like discourse about video games and entitlement that players feel because there was never a series before it that had you know where you felt so completely attached to your character that you've played your character through three 60 something hour games Mm -hmm. and now here's this big ending and then the ending was was disappointing and then everyone lost their fucking minds um and then bioware kind of caved to it and fixed the ending sort of um, and that admission in a way to me changed the relationship between developers and gamers forever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and it, and it, I think it increased entitlement forever. Um, because before that, I don't think, I don't think gamers really thought that they had that much power, or at least they were never shown that they did. And I think Bioware in trying to do a really nice thing for their fan base, um, just gave those people way more uh, belief that they're powerful and they got, those people became way more brutal. Um, Yeah. And, and it led to stuff like Gamergate. So yeah, I'm not at all saying that it's responsible for that. I'm just saying that this is the series. I think that if you look before Mass Effect three, I think the level of gamer entitlement online just wasn't nearly at the same pitch Mm -hmm. that it is now. And and has been since. Um, Yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying the game i'm just alarmed at how much stuff i find myself having to go like okay weird or like things that take me out of the good stuff about it yeah um and i think uh, i came across it yesterday and i think maybe phil kohler posted a gif of it 
too, but I saw it in person. Uh, there are these two people, and I'll, if I can find it, I'll post a video of it too. Please, um, please do. There's there's two women shaking hands outside of one of the pods on EOS, and um, one of them has their hand out normally, like for a normal handshake, and the other one has their hand out sort of in um, you know, like sometimes when you like shake someone's hand like really earnestly, you'll you you'll have like your shaking hand with their hand like a normal handshake, but mm-hmm. then you kind of like cup the top of the handshake with your left hand or your, yeah. your other hand mm-hmm. um so there are there's a two women that aren't moving at all nothing's happening to their bodies except this handshake but their mm-hmm. bodies aren't really moving either except for their uh, the one who's doing the single handshaking her arm mm-hmm. so it's just this weird kind of like cubby hole the other woman's making with her hands <laughs> and then a hand kind of slapping around inside of it <laughs> And it's just, like, just the worst fucking looking thing. Like, it looks so bad. And I'm, like, in my brain, all I can imagine is, like, I should be hearing, like, like, in the background. (laughs) Like, just this, like, terrible, like, just, like, like, skin slapping noise. Oh, my Um, God. And it's so, it's so fucking funny. And the thing is, is, like, you know, that's, that's the sort of shit that I've been seeing throughout the game so far. Mm -hmm. Um... So yeah, it's you know, I, a Mass Effect game I think is about the story and the relationships and the characters, and I think they're doing a good job with that. Mm-hmm. I think some of the dialogue is real corny and and real hard not to roll my eyes at. Yeah. Um, the writing in and this is and it might be a, a voice acting thing. I don't know, and I don't think the voice acting is bad. Um, but like there's a bunch of uh, emails and, 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 and log entries and stuff like every Mass Effect has that you can read. And for yep. the most part, those are really funny. Um, those are really well-written, and I like them a lot. Yeah. Um, and maybe it, it works because it's not dialogue. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, and I'm, I'm going to keep playing it. I like it. I just think it has a billion problems that if we're going to talk about video games in 2017, we have to talk about. And that the hopefully yeah. they fix for the next one. If they mm-hmm. have time. <laughs> yeah. And I think, um, I feel like I'm, I've been saying this a lot more recently because people tend to get caught up in their feelings about people having a different opinion about their favorite, whatever. Oh yeah. I just but did like, with the feminist frequency stuff about Zelda for like yeah. 30 minutes for sure. Y- yeah. So it's like, we, it's like, you like you by you critiquing something doesn't mean that you don't like it like you can critique something you can enjoy something but also critique it and and point out its shortcomings and i think that makes for a, a much healthier relationship with the kind of content you consume by being able to acknowledge that it isn't without fault and that it does have its problems like i t- i jokingly always say i'm like this is perfect like no, like nothing else can like there's nothing wrong with this. This is amazing. It's like, well, like everything has its issues. Like everything has its problems. It might not be something visually. It might be something in terms of like context. It might be something in terms of representation. It might be, you know, there's nothing is without, is without flaw. Like, yeah. There's a, there's a difference between being hyperbolic in a, in a fun way because you do love something mm-hmm. um, versus like, you know, uh, actually feeling that way. Yeah. And, or being a dick, you know, like, yeah. Um, if any, if I, by any chance, talked to anyone that like, well, I mean, I, I know, I, I know Mark Mir from the Commander Shepard from the old games, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
if Mark wanted to ask me about what I thought about Mass Effect Andromeda, I would be straight with him mm-hmm. about it. Um, or if of any course. developer, for any reason I had a chance to talk to them, I would be straight with them. Where it's like, uh, you know, I think there's some really, really good stuff in the game. Um, but there's a lot of issues, too. I'm not blaming the team for it. I'm sure. not saying anything untoward to Bioware about it. Just things that I think are hilarious and ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and I think you do have to put that disclaimer because sometimes in my frustration or uh, what I think is hilarious and the glitches I'm seeing or whatever else, mm-hmm. um, yeah, maybe I'll say it in a hyperbolic manner. Yeah. Um, but I think it's important to understand like there's a there's a difference between being serious about that stuff and being hyperbolic and ridiculous about it. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's definitely uh, a difference. Yeah, I mean it's I I'm sure there's a billion inner workings and things going on at Bioware and pressure and everything else that. Mm-hmm. I can't account for that is why the stuff I'm seeing in the game that is rough is the way it is. Um, so I think it's ridiculous to, you know, go pitchforks and, and torches at a designer for lip animation or a team or a company. Um, yeah. But I think it's important to have those conversations. Uh, one of our friends who worked on one of the Halo games, um, I had a conversation with him where I was like, Hey, why does it do this thing from a like long distance where, uh, the bad guys look like they're kind of like claymation-y. Um, like they're moving at a much lower frame rate than the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, yeah, that looks bad. I'm surprised it's a thing that's happening. Uh, Mass Effect actually does it too. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was... I Hopefully he took that well. But I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I like a lot of stuff about that game. I think that looks awful. Um, mm-hmm. And I understand why it's done. I just, I think if there's other ways to like not have that be a thing that happens in games, it's yeah. a better choice. That's my aesthetic opinion. Yeah, um, sure. and that's an okay conversation to have with someone. Yeah, I think it's definitely an okay conversation to have. Um, yeah, and it was just and kind of continuing on that same point. Uh, I remember we we were just kind of talking about passively on Twitter um, a bit of the choices that were made in voice work for Persona Five mm-hmm. in terms of how they were pronouncing the names of characters, mm-hmm. which like phonetically doesn't sound right they don't make when, any sense for japanese names at all. they don't make they don't make any sense for the way the japanese names are pronounced no um and like like it just doesn't make sense but um one of the voice actresses was like hey so like we don't have say over that that's what atlas told us to do or that's what they you know or that's what our company told us to print like, that's how they told us we were supposed to say it so we are given a job we are given a, a task to do by our employer. They say to do this, we do it. Yeah. So, you know, people are like, oh, what the fuck? Like, and then people will automatically assume that like, oh, well, like the dub is bad because they didn't pronounce this name like this. It's like, well, there are more factors at play here. And, and that's understandable. It's like, you can still not like it. It's like, okay, I get that. I still don't like it, but mm-hmm. okay. Like, I understand that. That makes sense. So yeah, like whatever. And hey, um, you're fortunate enough to reason part of the part of the delay for Persona Five is that you get the Japanese audio track to put on the game as well for at launch. So if you don't like the way that the dub sounds, you can put it in Japanese, and then your problem is solved. I mean, it just so, goes back to like, don't be shitty, right? Yeah, just don't like, be shitty. That's like the number one rule of our show, and I think yeah. like the number one rule that we always try to tell people in the community is just like, don't be shitty, um, because I'm sure whatever job you any of us might have right Mm -hmm. we probably have ideas about how it could be done better or don't agree with what's happening in it but it's our job so we just also do it because it's our paycheck right and it's the exact same for 
people that work on video games or voice acting. You know, it might yeah. be what they're passionate about, or it might not be even. Um, but it's their paycheck. So if their boss tells them to do a thing away, they're gonna do it. Um, so to point out, like, whoa, these like this is not how this name is pronounced in Japanese at all. Um, you know, you can pull aside any like native Japanese speaker or like other person who speaks Japanese and they would be like, yeah, that's not how that name is pronounced one bit. Uh, that's fine to point that out to be like, Oh God, like all these voice actors suck. And this is such trash. That's shitty. Don't do that. Yeah. Like there's a very big difference between critique and being an asshole. And most people don't understand what the difference is also because being an asshole in your critique tends to get you more of a following. Um, Cause people want, people want their extreme ideals to be uh, verified and supported by someone else who has a bigger mouthpiece so that they yeah. feel better and feeling the way that they feel. They don't want to feel mm-hmm. differently. Um, so nuanced conversation, which also takes longer is usually not what people want, unfortunately. Yeah. And uh, I think that's a good subway to talk about shitty people. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> um, only very briefly because we don't, I don't want to give this person too much of our of our time and our energy and our and our voices, but uh, uh, so that whole JonTron situation, yeah, that was a uh, pretty shitty. And uh, so, so JonTron is a guy that used to be on Game Grumps, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he and was then... replaced by Dan Avidan, mm-hmm. or he and... left to do his own thing, and then Dan Avidan came in in his spot. Yeah. So, yeah, so John Tron went on to go do his own thing, and he's a gamer YouTuber and all that shit and, and everything, and then recently came out and said some really problematic stuff, or actually just really, like, anti-Semitic. Yeah, and, I was like, this is one of the and, few times I can racist. say yeah, not was, problematic and just, like, straight yeah. up fucked up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really fucked up. Yeah, he said, like, he said some stuff that was very anti-Semitic and racist and all that stuff, and... Of course, people that support him wanted to come out and say, like, oh, my God, people are taking this so seriously and blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, here's the thing. Like, when people show you who they are the first time, believe them. Because nine times out of ten, that's who they are. So it's like, that's like that's that's great that you want to give people the benefit of the doubt. And I think there's room for that to give people the benefit of the doubt. But when it comes to stuff like this, it's like you take them for who they are. And you, and that's what it is. And I don't have time to entertain bullshit like that from people. And then he tried to come out and like explain why he said those shitty things or whatever or whatever. And it's no, it's like, you're, you're, you're just a really fucked up and awful person. And what I appreciate what happened from him saying these shitty things is that he has actually lost work for this. Oh yeah, like he was he was a voice which I didn't even know this until I found out that he was taken off the project was that he did voiceover work in uh, in a ukulele mm-hmm. and and then Playtronics I believe that's the studio that's publishing ukulele was like yeah. fuck that they're like yeah. no we're we're not no and they had a big I think they had a big like uh you know Playtronics supports diversity and blah 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 statement too which yep. like granted Playtronic from what I understand ukulele. They're going to talk the same way people talk in Banjo-Kazooie, which is just like, boom, 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 with stuff. Yeah. Um, but still, it's like, I'm glad because it sent a message of like, yeah, we're not going to like let this, we're not going to reward this guy. Like, this is a cool thing he's getting to do because he loves Banjo-Kazooie. And like, you know, that's the what we worked on in the past. Yeah. And he's uh, a YouTube, you know, celebrity. They're just mm-hmm. like, nah, nah, son. And because he said it was fucked. 
up. Yeah, like, it was really fucked up. Talking about like saying that wealthy blacks commit more crimes than poor whites in the U.S., which is like there's no like, like just all these like weird like far right uh, talking points that are like demonstrably bullshit that have yep. been proved wrong time and time again. Absolutely. And, and all of this like, like just all this shit uh, that's that's basically like keeping the the different races uh, separate and just all this ugh, like really bad shit. Um, and yeah, so I'm just like, please, please, goodbye. Just get out of here. Just go. Just, just go. go. Yeah. Um, I am surprised like it took people this long to realize that John Tron. I'm, I'm glad that he showed his colors so blatantly so that no one can possibly like wonder about it. Mm-hmm. But he's been doing this sort of shit for forever. Uh, even yeah. back on Game Grumps, he would constantly say stuff like Edgelord stuff. Um, uh, like never the Sonic, Sonic 2006 playthrough. An entire episode, he's just dropping the N word over and over and over again, and they edited it out. But you know what he's saying, and it's yeah, like, of course. it's and he, and he's just like cracking up about it the entire time, and like how funny it is that he's saying it. And I'm just like, nah, that's no, that's not, that's, that's not okay. There's nothing funny about that either. It's fucking no. stupid. It's fucking um, yeah, it's fucking dumb. So so fuck fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Yeah, and and I love that people are like, but freedom of speech. It's like, no 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 no. Freedom of speech doesn't mean freedom of consequence. So yes. so like yeah, he can say like yeah, no one's stopping him from saying whatever the fuck he wants to say, but that doesn't mean people have to employ him. I just I just want to go like a week without some dude saying some dumb shit that's like a gaming celebrity. Like just be, just be good, just be a good boy. Someone be a good boy. Yeah, <laughs> like it's it's not like it's not hard, and it's and what's unfortunate is that like there's a whole crop of younger kids that do nothing but watch YouTube videos. Oh yes, absolutely. And these kids are watching content from PewDiePie and JonTron and all these other fucking problematic fucking ass. Uh, gamer YouTube, we're just YouTubers in general, and are getting their worldviews and their ideas from these people. Which you know, like, par- like I feel like there's a responsibility that people need to kind of like be invested in what in the types of content that that their kids are ingesting and kind of understanding what it is that they're watching and all that stuff. And I understand that you can't see everything they're watching all day, every day, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. But it's like, we, like this, like this kind of shit isn't okay. And because it's only up to now that these people are seeing repercussions of their actions, like people, like people, their kids are growing up with like being like, "Oh, we, I can be shitty, a shitty edge lord like this, and make a lot of money doing it." Yeah, exactly. It's like it's just that thing where it's like previously, uh, if you were a shitty edge lord like that, ideally someone would sock you in the mouth or um, school you and tell you like what you're doing that's so wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now it's like, no, yeah, exactly. I can be, I can make a living off of this. I can be a funny YouTuber and say whatever I want and still keep my job and make millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like the worst, it's like the worst lesson we could possibly be teaching with all the power of the internet and all mm-hmm. the good that you can do with a platform that's available to anyone at any time. Yep. And this is like, this is what's popular on it. It's such yeah. a, a misuse of what could be a really good positive thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's an it's it's certainly unfortunate, but yeah, um, fuck John Tron, he's terrible. Fuck that guy, uh, and we can move on from that. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, hey. we're at, 
What? 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 And I was just going to say, like, before, the one thing that also gets me, he doubled down, too. That's what we talked about last time. He mm-hmm. could have apologized when people talked to him about it. He just doubled down. Yeah. And he doubled down, like, so hard. And I was just yeah. like, oh, oh, why? Why can't you boys learn? Yeah. Just, oh, so, just, so like, bad. just realize that you're being a dick and then be chill. And I can, mm-hmm. and I can still be, like, cool. Like, you're on a journey now to be a better person. Yeah. yeah you're going on a journey of, like, not being an asshole. Yeah. yeah. God. God, but fuck that guy. <laughs> what a terrible guy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're creeping up on almost an hour and a half here. So I don't want to uh, keep people on too long. Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't want to end on a note talking about that. So <laughs> last week we started on it. This week we end on it now. <laughs> oh God, unfortunate. God, what a what a way to what a way to end if we did that. But um, but yeah. So what to say that's not awful? To um, end on something awful. The Spider-Man trailer came out today and it looks really good. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Really fun. I'm really mm-hmm. happy about that. Yeah. Oh, uh, and and uh, speaking of movies, um. I saw the Power Rangers movie this weekend, and it wasn't shitty. I heard it was kind of good. It's it's actually kind of good. Yeah, it's, I heard it was, it's actually pretty good. I heard it was like kind of dope with like pretty good representation, and yeah. uh, I did hear that there's like a uh, some tone issues. Like sometimes it definitely just wants to be like a fun '90s uh, Power Rangers mm-hmm. movie, and yeah. then sometimes it tackles like incredibly intense subject matter. Yeah. Um, like I, I just read about a thing where it's like one of the rangers like posted posted some revenge porn, yeah, and like yeah. and like it's them apologizing about it and like this is like a really what sounds like an incredibly intense scene that I wouldn't expect in yeah a Power Rangers film and I was like yeah, wow that yeah, is yeah. a that is whiplash for sure. Mm-hmm. It's like um I I make the joke that I call it, I still call it the Breakfast Club Rangers, um but uh it's actually it was it was a really solid origin story. Um, I really enjoyed it. The only thing um, that I, my biggest critique that I had a, had of it with my with my boyfriend was that it. I felt like there were a couple of story beats that were a little bit too long in the beginning, so we didn't get to see a lot of cool, as much cool action stuff as I would have liked to have. But I understand that with it being this movie being the like we're establishing the world, we're establishing the tone and the plot and. And all that stuff because we're setting this up to be a multi-movie series, and they were like, "It's going to be six movies," and I'm like, "Let's let's see you get to three, and then we'll and then we'll see. Let's not be overzealous here. As good as good of an origin story as this was, six movies seems like a lot, but um, for power for Power Rangers, like a six part like mega movie series, it seems like a lot. Yeah, even just like in the time that you're recording it, those teenagers will not be teenagers. Right. Like, very, very quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, no, I thought that the ca- the casting was... The, the, the thing that I took away the most is that I really enjoyed the casting. Um, the... All of, uh, all of all of them are really good. I... there At the beginning, it was like, ooh, 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 I don't know about some of these dialogue lines. I don't know. Mm, 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 that delivery. Mm, ah, ooh, ah. <laughs> uh, in the beginning. But then, it, like, then, like, the kind of, the movie kind of, like, settled into itself. And it was... It was really fun because I went into the movie like this is gonna be, this this is kind of gonna be ass. I'm not gonna have any. I like I'm, I went in with zero expectations, but I'm like, I'm expecting it to be kind of ass. But it was pretty good. I really in, came away enjoying the movie overall. Elizabeth Banks had a blast. 
playing Rita, you could tell that she really had a lot of fun in her role. And I love her as an actress. I think she's fantastic. Um, she had a fucking ball. Um, I love uh, that movie. I love that your consternation about like the bad things happening when that movie starts uh, sounds like me at like a sushi buffet, where I'm just like, ooh, ah, uh, uh, ooh, which uh, the spicy tuna, or should I get like, mm, uh, oh, so many, so many good options. Ooh, it's the same, it's the exact same sound. <laughs> That I make when I have a lot of good food in front of me. And I'm just like, I don't yeah. know. Ooh, what do I eat first? Ah, mm, ooh, okay. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> if you could just see me in the chair, I'm like, mm, ah, ooh, 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 mm. <laughs> Yeah, just a lot of that was that I was, I was having that mentally. I wasn't like out loud being like, ooh, ah, mm, ooh, ooh, like the whole time. Because that would have probably annoyed the shit out of my boyfriend and everyone around me. But um, yeah, it was surprisingly a lot of fun. Um, that's cool that there were some, there's queer representation in the movie. And Mm -hmm. what was even cooler is that the Blue Ranger, like, is on the spectrum. Yes, I heard that. Which was, which is really, really cool. And I think they handled it really well. He was the best character in the movie. Billy's the best character in the fucking movie. Like, he was great. Um, yeah, I came away feeling really good about it. Like, I would actually go watch it again. Um, it was... It was really fun. I still absolutely 150% hate the designs of the Rangers and the Zords themselves. They're awful. Everything's really, trying to do really that, bad. that transformer, like, it robotic mm-hmm. but also organic thing. Mm-hmm. And it just looks, it looks like it has it no actual really direction. It looks really bad. It looks really, really bad. Um, that's my biggest, like, about the movies that the designs are really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, uh, yeah. And the ratio of, like, angst and talking to the ratio of, like, karate flips and kicks and stuff are is a little off balance for mm-hmm. my taste for when I come to Power Rangers. Like, I come to Power Rangers to see them, like, like kicking butt, like, outside of the Zords and stuff like that. And not so much them being in the Zords the whole time. But, uh, but like, I get it. It's, you know, it's whatever. It's a movie adaptation, whatever, whatever. Um, but, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think people should go out and see it. It's a good, fun, like, teenage, like, action movie to go see. I think it was, I think the tonal shift, upping upping the age to, like, PG-13 for the movie, mm-hmm. um, served it well to be able to kind of tackle those things, like, like, revenge porn kind of stuff, <laughs> and, uh, and also, like, introducing, like, queer people into the world of Power Rangers. Yeah. I think aging it up a little bit actually benefited it to be able to kind of tackle things like that, which was really which is actually really compelling, and I was really surprised. It sounds like so. it has a little bit of a, a Degrassi tilt, almost. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah. It's like Power Rangers Degrassi. Like, cool. Yeah, which I'm down. Like, it's also I'm... cool that Billy's on the spectrum, because, like, I mean, me, mm-hmm. like, I think I have I have a, uh, a nephew who's on the spectrum, right? So he's, yeah. like, probably a little bit young for that movie right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's good to know that, like, in the future, ideally, we should be... He should be seeing more characters in movies that are on the yeah. spectrum in some fashion, so mm-hmm. that he has something to relate to a little bit more. Yeah, because uh, like being a really young kid on the spectrum can be pretty isolating. Yeah, absolutely. And they do a really good job of. I think they tackled, they tackled him being on the spectrum better than they handled the queer stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I wish they would have come right out and said it, but I get it for it being Power Rangers and like it's t- like the tonal shift of Power Rangers and the kind of like. They don't really, like, address stuff like that in Power Rangers at all, ever. So, how they did it, I'm happy that they even did it. And they it's it's clear that that she's queer. It is very clear. 
mm-hmm. that, that they they make it very clear that she is queer. But like, I wish they could have directly come out and say it and say it. But I get why they didn't say it. But it's it's very obvious. It's well, very, ho- hopefully, there'll be more. Um, there'll be more blunt about it in the next film. Ideally, yeah, That'd be yeah really cool. I hope. So. Yeah, I hope so too. Um, the only thing, the only kind of other takeaway that I had from it is that I felt like the Pink Ranger kind of got the shaft a little bit in terms of uh, uh, establishing herself as a character. Um, but I won't go into details of that. But as someone who loved Kimberly in mm-hmm. the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, I wish we got a little bit more Kimberly. But oh it's God. all good. It's all if you look good. at Kimberly, photos of Kimberly now, um, her looks her are like our full circle are like they're hot again. Like yeah. all of her clothing choices are like things mm-hmm. that like are in Forever 21 right now. Oh yeah, like, absolutely. Kimberly was on top of it. She knew what was going on. Yeah. And she was the best. Kimberly's <laughs> the best. But, uh, but yeah, um, go out and see Power Rangers. It's actually hella fun. I, I recommend going to go see it. Like if you can like go see it in the, uh, on an afternoon, catch a matinee. If you get off of work early enough or something like that, have a little early afternoon adventure. Go see Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Right after I go see, get out. Yeah, right after you go see Get Out. I'll do it. Yeah. Because <laughs> I saw Logan, and I was like, cool, now I gotta go see Get Out. <laughs> yes, go see Get Out first, and then go see Power Rangers. Also, go see Logan. Logan's also very good. Yeah, that's, I need to go see that, too. That's the last thing that I need to see for, for a little bit. It, it will make you weep like a baby. It's very good. I'm excited. Yes. I'm excited. I think that's but, it, uh, DJ. I think that's all we got. Yeah, that's it. Week. That's all we've got this time around for this episode of Joystick Jockeys, talking about stuff and yeah. mass effects and andromedons andromedomedomedons <laughs> mass uh, effect uh, mastodons just lots mastodons. of big hairy elephants <laughs> uh guys if you have any questions or, or stuff you want to talk about on the show or just comments or whatever uh you, you can always email us it's a, at i think it's the joystick jockeys at gmail.com yes nice uh also you can get me on twitter at robots r-o-o-b-o-t-a s and where can i find you dj they can find me at oh hey dj that's o-h-h-e-y dj on pretty much everything so twitter instagram tumblr uh all that stuff noise noise but yeah uh, thank you guys for tuning in you guys are amazing and we will see you next time Bye. bye Hey listeners, just a few more things before you go. If you like what you heard, consider subscribing to the podcast. And if you want, leave us a review on iTunes. Your feedback means a lot to us. We're always interested in having new guests on our show and to talk about games, pop culture, comics, and everything else in between. So feel free to email us at thejoystickjockeys at gmail.com and you could be one of our future guests. Happy gaming and we'll see you very soon.